Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I'm your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited to be joined today by Kristen Robinson, who is the Chief People Officer of Splunk. Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Andy. Really great to have you on. You and I have already had a couple of really interesting and and wonderful conversations leading up to this about everything going on in the world and your kind of philosophy and approach to HR and talent development and how it's and why it's so important to weave diversity and inclusion into all of that, which has become an incredibly relevant topic today. So I can't wait to get into that. Maybe let's just start with a, a broader philosophy. Like what's your general philosophy or approach to talent development? That's a great question. It probably is best represented by my favorite bumper sticker. Ooh. Yes, it's a bumper sticker. And it says, don't believe everything you think. Hmm. So ponder that for a while. It's I think it's really relevant just for personal development. You know, we always come to the world, we come to the table, we come to the issue with beliefs, views, things we think we know. And yet, you know, we make up a lot of stuff in our mind as well. And so whether it's related to our own growth and development or how we approach growth and development in the organization, what's best at a specific moment, to me, I think I follow that, that mantra all the time. And it, it tests, you know, my point of view. So I can think about whether or not I need to shift my point of view. And it also, has me embrace new and innovative ways to approach my own growth and the development of people in the organization. So is what you're saying that, you know, we obviously learn a lot over time from experiences from others. I mean, we all have a a set of experiences that inform how we operate, how we live and how we work, that we should often be challenging that and looking at other points of view or perspectives before diving into something. Is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. Because like, if we didn't, we would be rendered irrelevant very quickly, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's two probably great examples. One is, in many of our corporations, 
you know, we still have management practices, people practices, some of us that are based on like 1950s management theory, right? About rating people, grading people, etc. Guess what? The current neuroscience says that doesn't necessarily work based on the way the brain operates, right? And so today's science tells us better, right? Shame on us if we don't use that new knowledge and just continue with what's been done for decades. So that's one example. The other example is take this era of a global pandemic. You know, I joined Splunk in late January and within three days, I was on the phone with our Asia leaders, you know, figuring out how do we deal with this? And there was no playbook for any of us. And, you know, we thought we knew some things on day one, week one, month one. All of those things have changed because, you know, we've got some experience, we've got some research, we've got some science. And so for myself, in this example, taking the lead at Splunk to make decisions for the health and safety of 6,000 employees around the world, if I didn't have a growth mindset, if I didn't question or challenge my points of views about things, I wouldn't have been able to evolve my thinking, learn and make really good decisions, you know, over the weeks that we've been in this place. And in fact, every week I get a strategic outlook report from the team. And what we knew last week is different than what we know this week. So we have to keep evolving and not believe everything we think. Yeah. Okay. So, so keep evolving, challenging. Obviously, uh, the COVID-19 global pandemic is a great example of something that is uncharted waters, uncharted territory, never been in something like this before. There's no playbook, like you said. You mentioned the importance of having a growth mindset, something I'm a big, big, big fan of. But you know, maybe for the couple people in the audience that aren't as familiar, you know, what do you mean by that? And why is that so important in the world of HR and talent building? Yeah. Well, I think many people know the work of Carol Black at Stanford. And yep. you know, she talks about believing that we can always develop, right? We can always learn, we can always grab new skills, we can exercise and get new muscle in doing anything. And that's opposed to a fixed mindset, which means like we're born with a brain, we're born with potential that's fixed, that can't be changed. And so therefore, why bother getting better? And in the company, you know, if you take the point of view that we all have the potential to grow and develop, then it really opens up all kinds of avenues for helping people be their best and be as successful as they can be at your company or, you know, if not there, maybe some other place. I love that. And that's, um, you know, the reading the book Mindset by Dr. Carl Dweck made a big impact on me, not only in how I operate in the world of talent development, how I run my business and how I operate as a parent as well. Yes. It's been really impactful for me. When we talked before, you also talked about your philosophy on leadership and the importance of self-awareness. And I'm a big fan of that as well. We're, we're really aligned on this. But Maybe you could share a little bit more about why this is so important, especially, uh, and I think it ties into this growth mindset and always challenging your beliefs, that sort of thing, as you become more senior, more experienced, that sort of thing, to be a more successful leader, whether it's in HR already, anywhere. Yeah. I, you know, I think there's this distinction between doing and being, mm. you know, as anyone, but especially as a leader. You know, leaders oftentimes are very goal-oriented, 
They drive ambitious agendas. They go fast. They like to move, like activity, right? Like to go, 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 always moving. And that can serve people well, that can serve an organization well. But what about everything underneath the doing? What about the being? What about knowing like who you are and what you stand for? And to be open to people questioning that or putting you on the spot. And, you know, I've had a number of examples over the course of my career for sure, but even in the last weeks of people, you know, giving me feedback. I love feedback, right? Even though it's hard to take sometimes. Yeah, it's a gift, but maybe feeling inside my head a little bit defensive at first because I thought, oh, they're so wrong. But after a little while, thinking more about it, reflecting it and saying, hmm, I can see how they see that. And I can see how I am being a way that maybe isn't exactly like my head thinks I am. So therefore, you know, you have this kind of insight, this moment of insight of self-awareness that can help you then be better as a person to grow and develop yourself. I mean, self-awareness, and it's really hard, right? Because we don't watch ourselves. And that's the beauty of creating an environment where people are generous in giving feedback and where coaching sometimes and mentoring can be really, really valuable because you don't always see yourself in the way the world sees you. Yeah, absolutely. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. People often don't take the time to step back and just analyze themselves and how they're reacting and how they perceive other people reacting to the way they're operating. I've also heard and, and noticed that you know the more senior you get in corporate jobs, the less feedback you get, right? Because people are less likely to maybe challenge you or be willing to give that feedback. What are some things you've done or seen to help not only yourself, but maybe allow senior leaders to get the feedback they need to improve? Yeah, I think you have to ask for it. Right. You know, one of my favorite people is David Rock, who is the CEO and founder of the Neuro Leadership Institute. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his whole reason for being is to take neuroscience and apply it to practices at work. And one of the things that I learned from them is that the best way to create a culture of giving feedback is to create a culture of asking for feedback. Right. And it actually, By asking for feedback, you prep your brain to receive maybe critical feedback and you're actually more open to it. And so I've tried to practice that. It's really hard, 
but it's a habit. And after I say present to a group of interns, like I did last week, I'll ask the team who organized it, you know, thank you for letting me come and talk to our interns. Please tell me, what did you think I did well in that forum? And what could I do better the next time? And when you ask for it, then people are more willing to give it to you, especially if you're asking for things that you could do better. So that's something that I've learned and I'm trying to always like better my muscle at doing that. But I also think that, you know, it's really important for leaders because just by virtue of the hierarchy, you know, in an organization, people tend to want to please, right? And as a leader, there is nothing more detrimental to me than to have people agree with everything you say, Mm. right? And to not disagree with you. I had an experience very early in my career where I actually saw the benefit of disagreeing with the leader and it probably rewired me maybe a little bit. I was always questioning authority anyway from a young age, but, but I remember as a, you know, young, early in career individual contributor being in a meeting, reviewing some topic with the person who was like effectively the chief HR officer of that group in a large technology company. And she happened to say something about, you know, the topic. And I said, well, no, I actually disagree with you. I think this. And you could see her, like eyes were kind of popping out, (laughs) thinking like, who is this youngin to actually voice an opinion? And I also saw her then like respect me even more because I was willing to share my point of view and my, not so much my expertise, but my knowledge and insight on that particular topic. And so I think, you know, I always encourage my team, you know, the biggest disservice that you can give us in a partnership or as a team is to not disagree with me. And I've come as a leader, and this was a learned skill, I guess I could call it a skill. I am pretty tolerant. I have high tolerance for provocation, you know, for intellectual disagreement and intellectual debate. And that's been learned. It's uncomfortable for sure when you have divergent opinions. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, honestly, I have a low tolerance when things get personal, you know, and sort of snarky, like I'll just retreat from something like that. But I definitely lean in to different kinds of opinions and points of view that I can't possibly have because of my own experience. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. And that's how we get better. We improve our self-awareness and really awesome to be able to offer that feedback right away to be looking for it. Uh, You've had uh, a really interesting career, Kristen, with, you know, having senior HR roles in companies like HR, Agilent, or sorry, HP, Agilent, Verigee, Yahoo, and Pandora before getting to Splunk. I'm curious, what are a couple important things, experiences you've gone through or things you took away that uh, really inform your approach to HR and talent development today? Yeah, you call it interesting. I call it a checkered past. <laughs> but, uh, I could have said impressive. I don't know. You know, you work for some cool companies. Yeah, definitely. And I've actually been very honored and, and privileged to, you know, early on probably fall into those, them being very deliberate. But I've worked in multiple functions. I started out my career as a CPA. Like, you know, I was good at math. People always think about accounting and people, you know, on the, on the two ends of the spectrum. 
But I worked in accounting, I worked in finance, I dabbled in recruiting a little bit, I led a, a division HR team, but then I went into product marketing, broader marketing, and eventually I led a new technology venture within a tech, a larger tech company. And I had no business doing it because I am not an engineer. I'm so technically like unsavvy when it comes to, you know, those kinds of things. But really my important kind of differentiation as a leader is I'm a strong business leader. I've got a lot of business acumen and I have grown to be a decent leader. And so other people can be the great technologists but those other things I can add value on. And so those things have helped me tremendously leading a people organization because I've actually lived a day in the life of my clients' functions. I've been a people manager. I've been a leader in a different function. I've tried to you know, get a new business off the ground. And so just that similarity of experiences is really helpful. The other thing I would say, there is not a day that I don't use my finance background in HR. And while I'm never going to go spar with the CFO on accounting standards, I actually understand them and I understand and can help make business decisions based on their impact on the P&L setting. That and then marketing. I probably use marketing more in the people function than I do even finance. And it's all about like, who's my audience? Who are my clients? How do I segment their needs? How do I target them? What is my key messaging? Because it's all about communication. So I actually use a lot of marketing concepts in how I think of running a services business, i.e. a people organization inside Mm -hmm. a company. I can see those being so beneficial. I mean, I've had many conversations with people in HR talent development over the years. And I think one of the biggest challenges or things missing for a lot of people is an, an understanding of how the business works, the finance. And I can see that being really beneficial. For those that are listening or that you, uh, that you maybe mentor who kind of come up from a traditional HR background, starting in HR and moving up through the ranks because they really love the people, how do you suggest they go get that different perspective or better education on things like finance and marketing when they maybe didn't have an opportunity to work in those areas? Yeah, I think there are a lot of ways. So one is I'm a big consumer of content. (laughs) What are the sources that people are reading? I got turned on to Harvard Business Review very early in my career. And actually in those days, contrary to today, there weren't a lot of articles about people and leadership. It was really about hardcore business. So, you know, there are different kinds of sources of business information that people can tap into that are very, very accessible these days, and that can broaden your thinking. I also really suggest shadowing people in the organization, sitting, you know, in the room, maybe just observing. I spend time often in customer meetings, and actually, that's one of the benefits of the virtual environment. We do some executive business meetings with some of our top customers every quarter around the world. I've been able to be a fly on the wall in those meetings and just listen to what are the customers saying. And I think for people in in the HR space, you may not really understand the technology. You may not understand the hardcore product attributes and functionality, but can you understand the 
end customer experience. You know, that is much more sort of easily understood and digested because often they have customers who have customers who are, you know, us. And you can kind of get a sense for ultimately the business based on how they're servicing their customers. So that's another way that I encourage people. Completely makes sense. I, I love all that. So important to go get those perspectives. And, you know, I've always heard the, the advice of, uh, you know, go out on customer ride along, see how your people are interacting with customers, go out in the field. And uh, you make an interesting point that it's actually now easier than ever because you can just pop onto a Zoom call and join your salespeople and you know, get their permission and pop on. You don't have to fly to whatever city and get in the car and spend an entire day. It could just be a couple hours and you can spend time with a lot of different people and see what they're working on. Absolutely. And you know, there are, despite the fact that everyone is getting all impatient, sheltering in place, and mm -hmm. there are obviously like really significant negative impacts for people with this pandemic. Can't, you know, not say that, but there are also a lot of benefits to it, this virtual distributed work. And, you know, I've had a lot of people ask, well, what has it done for your culture? You know, how do you maintain culture? I actually think that there have been so many positive aspects of culture because of this virtual, fully distributed world where yeah. everyone can have a front row seat, right? Right. If you're remote, you're just not watching 500 people in a room having a meeting or watching 10 people having a meeting from the back row. Yep. Everyone's got that front row seat, which is very positive. Yeah, oftentimes you'd hear the stories of, you know, most people are in the headquarters and those remote workers don't get as much uh, face time or fair treatment and there's discrimination and that sort of thing. And now almost everybody's got, you know, more of a level playing field. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting organizations with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. And we're also proud to be providing tons of great content and inspiration to you and everyone out there during troubled times. You can go to advantageperformance.com to find any of our weekly webinars, insights, white papers, and blogs we've been putting out to help you survive and thrive during challenging times. That website, again, is advantageperformance.com. And now back to the show. I'm curious, you mentioned, you know, you're overseeing HR, you get questions about culture and things like that. And I agree with you that, you know, it's, it's probably improved communication for a lot of organizations. People tell me that engagement is up, productivity is actually up. But you also mentioned or alluded to wellness and things like that. What do you think is the biggest challenge that your organization or organizations in general are facing with regards to COVID today? I think it is the mental health and well-being of people. and. You know, whether it's parents who, at least up until this last month, were trying to homeschool their children, you're a parent 24 by 7 no matter what, but you know, when you have daycare, when schools are open, you get a reprieve. So I think that emotional toil, obviously some groups, some minoritized groups are being disproportionately impacted. You know, I constantly look at our local county dashboard stats and they break it out by 
gender, by age, by ethnicity. And so the numbers are staring us in the face that, you know, certain racial groups are actually have higher death rates, higher case rates. And so even if you are safe, you know, you see the impact and the consequences for your family members or others in your community. And that's just, it's just really, really difficult. And luckily, you know, I have a couple kids who are out of the house right now. And I haven't had to, you know, like keep my two-year-old, you know, occupied while I'm on 12 hours of Zoom. But people feel like they're failing everywhere. They Mm -hmm. feel like they're failing as a parent. They feel like they're failing, you know, as a worker. They feel like they're failing in keeping themselves, you know, healthy, maintaining their physical fitness or their eating routine. And so it's just, it's really taking a toll. And one other thing is not only on yourself, I've heard many parents of young children say that they are seeing their children regress, you know, from a Mm -hmm. developmental standpoint. And so add that, you know, to your daily to-do list and, you know, the priorities that you have and the deliverables that you have at work. And it's, it's really very challenging for people. Yeah, it's absolutely a challenge. I've been through that myself with two young kids. And, uh, I know a lot of other people who are going through it as well, and it, it is a big challenge. You also mentioned the, how it impacts different cultures, different groups, different racial groups. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about was the importance of DEI, hearing it called many different things these days, and how that needs to be really integrated into everything we do now in HR and talent development. I know that's something you were big on before, but obviously with the death of George Floyd and the, and the ensuing Black Lives Matter movement, Things have become even more important in that realm. What's your philosophy on DEI and and how that needs to be integrated to what we do? Yeah. First off, let me say that again, because I had the privilege early in my career of working at a really great company that was really ahead of its time. I was working on DEI initiatives in the 1990s, right? We were bringing in you know, black authors to help our employees expand their point of view of things. We were bringing in Quran experts to talk about the Muslim community and what was happening, you know, after 9-11. And so it's really been part of how I approach my people work as well as my leadership, as well as my, quite frankly, myself as a human being for decades. So I'm very grateful to that. So what is happening today, unfortunately, is not surprising, but it's even more important. I have always said, leading a people org, like I don't want DNI being its own like separate siloed initiative. It does need to be integrated into everything from think of the employee experience, right? Hiring people, sourcing talent. How do you integrate it there? How do you integrate it to selection? How do you integrate it into the experience that someone has walking in the door? Do they feel like they belong? Do they see people like them? How do you develop them? Because quite frankly, oftentimes development experiences, especially at higher levels, are based on access that you have. Like who knows you and who do you know you know, in in return, right? Like, and so to me, I think it's just greatly important to have it be a component. Now, given that society hasn't made much progress and companies have not made much progress 
I think it's really important to have extra emphasis on it and just not rely on the good intention of everyone to sort of integrate it into everything. It really needs to have its own strategy, its own funding, its own focus for it to be effective these days. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned when we talked before about it needing to have its own strategy and also being kind of a fourth pillar. But I think we also talked about the need, you know, many organizations are taking the approach of, hey, we need to have a DEI department and a a chief diversity officer. And we're seeing that in in most companies these days. But at the same time, it often ends up being, hey, there's the DEI training over there. And then we've got all these other things going on for leadership development, manager development. You made a comment to me before about the importance of it being actually integrated into everything you do. And I wonder if you could talk more about that because I want to inspire other people to be thinking about that with their own approach to talent development. Yeah, it's very interesting because what I've come to see with DEI leaders, and we actually just changed our name from DNI to DEI, you know, because we wanted to focus also on equity, which is different than diversity and different than inclusion. So I'm very proud of us making that move, although we're not at all the first. What I've found is important for DEI leaders is that they drive action and results through others. And sometimes that's hard for people who kind of want to own what may be thought of as a center of expertise, you know, and kind of do their stuff and make change, you know, with it from that center. But you really have to drive results through others, which means educating through others, which means creating visibility, you know, of the numbers, for example. And it's driving change with the leaders who are in the organization and themselves, like what skill sets around diversity do they have and enabling them, but also working arm in arm with your HR colleagues in talent acquisition, in learning and development, in compensation and benefits. So that collaboration, those skills, those influence skills are super, super important for the people who are in that part of the profession and as DEI leaders, because exactly that notion of it needs to be integrated. So you have to educate and bring people along and then lead through them. Yeah, 100%. I think it's, it's so critical these days that it be built more into everything and be part of the conversation because there are some people in some organizations more progressive than others and many who are, you know, just learning these things. And if we don't keep having those conversations, then we're not going to make as much progress as we want to make. So we've got to keep having those conversations and, and building into everything. So I'm glad to, to hear that. Do you have any more for those who are maybe struggling to incorporate this more into everything they do in the organization to improve diversity, equity, and inclusion in their organization? And I'm doing other interviews on this as well, but any other advice for how they can improve that? It sounds like you've, you've got a long history with this and work for a fairly progressive company, but what else can people be doing if they're in the L&D world to improve DEI in their organization? That's a great question. Just from an L&D standpoint, I would say measure a lot, mm. right? Like, who are you targeting, you know, in your development experiences? Do you need to differentiate some of those experiences for different groups of people, right? I mean, we think nothing of creating a new manager 
forum or development experience and a mid-manager and a leadership understand maybe the unique needs that underrepresented groups you know have within the company what barriers they may see and feel every day they come to work i'll tell you a story that you know after the racial justice issues that have most recently you know come to the forefront we have been doing listening sessions at Splunk with all of our ERGs, our employee resource groups. And we started out with our Black employee resource group because that was kind of the issue at hand, but very quickly went to our Pride, which is our LGBTQ plus community, because June was Pride Month and many of the experiences that Blacks were feeling or have faced were some of the same experiences that our LGBTQ community has experienced over the course of their lives. And so we didn't just stop with our Black employee group. We have nine ERGs, you know, Pride, our Latinx community, veterans, disabled, neurodiversity, women, etc. And we have just finished last week listening sessions with all of those groups. And we tried to get a couple executives from the top team to attend those. I attended almost all of them. I like to think that I'm pretty like facile, you know, with these topics. And I've had these hard conversations throughout my career on a personal level as well as in the corporation. But I will tell you, I got insights, aha moments Mm. in every single one that I attended and they were different. And so we like to think of these groups as sort of homogenous but they're actually not in so many ways. Some groups are more homogenous than others in terms of their life experiences and their history. But it reinforced to me that every single person, employee in our companies is unique. They come to the table with their own unique background and experience and needs. And we really have to think about how do we develop in some way, shape or form everyone to the exclusion of no one. Mm. And so I would encourage, you know, L&D orgs and others, managers, to think about how you connect with each individual person and develop them based on their own needs. How do we develop everyone to the exclusion of no one? I like that. Um, Okay, so I do have to be honest. I can't take credit for that. That was a 1990s era diversity training that I took at HP, where the instructor came and he kept saying that mantra, develop everyone to the exclusion of no one. And Hmm. we talked about what are the ways that we exclude people? You know, like what's our exclusionary activity inside the company, which may prevent certain people. So it's a phrase that has stuck with me and it just represents that individualism that everyone brings to the company. I love it. It's a great reminder. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new talent development think tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to TDTT. 
hotseat.us slash community, and you can use code hotseat for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community, and use code hotseat for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know, and we'll see you there. Kristen, what has been your biggest accomplishment or proudest moment in your career so far? You know what? It's, I mean, literally, it's probably the aggregate of so many things, Mm -hmm. you know, over the course of my career. You know, a few years back when I actually went back into the HR space from being, you know, in other functions and being very deliberate about that move because I thought I could be more influential and impactful in HR than any other function, which is a surprise to many people, especially the people in those other functions. I realized that. I come into a company wanting to help people, teams, and organizations be extraordinary. And so I think about the collective work that I've done over time, where I made a little impact on a person, I helped the business, like think about what's most important. And I would say maybe the culmination is making sure that we are deliberately creating culture in a way that supports business success and personal success. And I know that's very, maybe general and vague, but like it's literally a thousand things, you know, in service of that mission is to help people and companies be extraordinary. Absolutely. I like it. All right. And with a growth mindset, we know we can always learn from mistakes. What's been one of your bigger mistakes or failures in your career? What did you learn from it? Well, I suppose there was, I mentioned when I was leading the new venture and during the dot-com bust, we canceled. It was one of those high risk, potentially high return ventures. And that's very tangible. Like I felt failure. Like I took Mm. it personally. It wasn't the dot-com bust because I felt like I could have you know, made it better or advocated for it more. But that's just kind of a business moment. I would say I have gotten feedback. And in fact, I even got feedback last week after I had gotten feedback several years ago, after I had gotten the same feedback (laughs) that I could be more accessible. Hmm. And part of me, my first reaction is, well, gosh, you should see my calendar. Like, there's no way I can be right. more accessible, right? Yeah, I'm right here. But, right, and I'm and I'm nice, and I like to get to know <laughs> people and chit chat, you know. Yeah. But I do fill myself with ambitious, you know, agendas for sure. But I find that as a leader, people want access. Mm. You know, you have unique value to add people. That if you fill yourself up with 12 hours of Zoom with 14 hours of stuff to do on your calendar, you actually don't leave the space for your value to get to other people the way it could uniquely get to them. And so I think that's something that has been momentary failures, but now it's a theme for me. And, you know, it's something that I have to constantly work on and be Hmm. very intentional about. Good self-awareness. I like that. And sometimes you get feedback on those things and you find you're not changing it and you think, oh, maybe I just need to do something else. But that's one of those things you obviously want to improve and be more accessible for your team. Kristen, what's a trend in the learning and development world that you are following closely these days or paying attention to? 
One thing that is starting to pop up on the horizon more and more is this notion of an internal talent marketplace. You know, let's face it, there are not enough people in the world to do what all of us companies want to do, right? Skilled talent around the world. They're just supply and demand is off and it will continue to be off. And so how do we create career development opportunities within the company and transparency so that people can figure out their own career path inside the company versus outside the company, right? I mean, we always hear that aside from your manager, the number one reason why people leave a company is for career opportunity somewhere else. Well, I've seen that so many people leave because they saw that external career opportunity and they didn't even explore the internal opportunity. Mm. There were opportunities inside. And so I want us to think less about buying talent, i.e. acquiring hiring talent, and more about building a talent marketplace, Mm. a talent ecosystem where people feel like they can maybe not spend their whole career at one place, which I would argue that's not even healthy to do Mm. or desirable, but just to spend more time in your company doing a diversity of things that makes you better at what you do. So I would love to see L&D folks think more about this. How do we build career opportunity and an ecosystem? And the thing is, you can't do that by figuring out the career path for everyone. I mean, how right. many times have we gone down and said, okay, we need to figure out what is the career path for someone in HR yeah. or someone in finance or right. maybe even narrower, right? We spend a year yeah. like putting words, you know. And what if it's not so defined? People can yes, move around. I will argue that if you have 6,000 employees in your organization, you're going to have 6,000 career paths. Mm-hmm. And so you can't map it out for everyone. What you can do is you can enable individuals and you can create an environment for that to happen. And so I'm very curious. I don't know what the answers are. Yeah. Um, a lot of companies, you know, have had good like career progression of their employees for decades. But in this modern day and age, I think it looks different than it did in the past. And we need to figure out how to do that. Yeah, it's changing, right? It's not just a linear up a ladder. Are you going to be moving around? Especially if you want to get different types of experiences like you've had in your career with marketing and finance along with HR. A lot of people come from sales and go in different places. If you want to be able to get those different types of experiences, try different things. I also think, and I'm curious what your perspective on this too, is with creating that talent market, do we also move to a little bit more of a project-based type you know, economy or gig economy, if you will, within organizations where it's not just choose this role and stick with this and then go to that role, but you can actually work on different projects and get experience doing different things. Yes, absolutely. And you know, when this whole notion of the gig economy came up and mm-hmm. gig workers a number of years ago, I was thinking, how do we create like a gig economy inside? Right. And it's, you know, maybe good for project based. It's might be good for people who want kind of a flexible schedule for all the positives that people talk about the external, you know, gig economy, having that autonomy, flexibility, you know, part time, etc. Why not inside the company? And I think, you know, we've been talking for the last few years, given the pace of change and innovation, groups of people with very fungible skill sets 
you know, can move around. And we've been stuck in thinking about job titles or job descriptions and not peeling it back to think about what are the underlying skill sets that those people bring to the table? And why can't an events person in marketing come over to HR and do some things around employee experience or employee comms, right? I've been encouraging people as I mentor, you know, younger people over the years to like, don't get bogged down in a job title, kind of pull up the hood and think about what are the skill sets, you know, that are flexible and can be transported to different parts of the organization. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I believe strongly in that. I'm working on a book right now in the career development space. And I was just actually sitting down with my wife yesterday. She's helping me edit the book. And she was like, explain this section to me on, you know, the future of work and what you're saying here. And and what I talked about was exactly what you're talking about. So you're validating everything that I'm writing about in my book. So I really appreciate that. Awesome. Um, And now I just need to make sure I go explain it a little bit better because she said that I needed to improve that. But that's why she's my editor. Feedback is a gift, right? Yes, Um, definitely. Speaking of books, Kristen, given that mine's not out yet, do you have a book that you recommend or that's been uh, made a good impact on you in your career, especially in HR? Or whatever book you've been reading recently. Oh gosh, you know, like I have a short-term memory. I'm I'm looking at my phone because a lot of books I kind of toggle between, you know, heart paper, yeah, um, and digital. You know, actually, some of the best books I've read in more recent years have been nonfiction because I used to only like fiction because it was my escape, the escape you know, from yeah. the real world. Right, it helped me sleep at night, but fiction that helped me understand actually the experiences of other people. You know, for a while, a few years back, I was reading some books about people in the military and their experiences in the military. And like, I'm not up to speed on that, you know, but it was fascinating to me to hear that. I've always read fiction and now I'm reading more nonfiction on the experience of black people, immigrants, so maybe I can send you later. And if you want to put in your yeah. podcast notes or something, I can send you some titles that have been moving for me. Definitely. Uh, last question for you, Kristen. For anybody working in HR who is looking to accelerate their career success, what's one more piece of advice you would give? Rotate around. Even if it's not outside of HR, although I would highly recommend that, rotate within HR because... You know, a lot of people want to know, like, how do I get to be in that top spot, right? And they've always been an HR business partner, or they've always been an L&D. And, you know, my role, that top spot, I really think of as a general manager of a services business. And so while I don't have to be a deep expert in any of the areas, it helps to have a couple, you know, deep areas. But your understanding of all of it and how it's integrated, like there's no substitute for actually living a day in the life of the different functions. So I would highly recommend that. And you know what? One of the things that uh, had me move to different things is somehow I had the courage and the guts to take the risk on doing new jobs that I had no idea how to do. And people pulled me or they pushed me into jobs like that. And it was scary. But I realized, gosh, I can figure things out. Like I know how to be in an unknown situation and just kind of problem solve and figure it out. Mostly and especially by asking other people to help me 
figure it out. And if you can do that, then, you know, go for some job that, you know, you may have a couple skills, but go try it out and ask your posse and the village to help you do that. I love it. Get that different experience. Try it out. Jives what we were saying about the career marketplace. Well, Kristen, this has been awesome. I've learned so much for you. We've covered a lot of ground. Uh, so thank you again for coming and spending time with us on the podcast. I have appreciated and thank you, Andy, for all the work you're doing. I think you're provoking a lot of different thinking on things and moving the profession forward. So that's really awesome to see. Love it. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again and take care.